Good morning. Isn't it great that we can come together and worship the Lord and worship Him with the respect and the honor that He deserves? Psalms 29.2 says, Give unto the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. I hope that, and I prayed this morning that as Doug prayed, that we are worshiping right now and we have thus far worshiped in spirit and truth. And you know, by worshiping that way, we show the beauty of holiness. Amen? As Christians, we should truly give God the glory and the reverence only He deserves. And we can do it by worshiping Him. It's not about us. It's about Him. It's about what He's done for us. And we can thank Him and think about Him and praise Him. And, and, and we, as we have this memorial, we can think about what Jesus really sacrificed for us and what He really did on the cross for us. We just uh, serve an amazing God. An amazing, powerful God. This morning, we're going to continue talking about the miracles of Jesus. What marvelous things He did and what marvelous things we can do as we learn about those miracles. The Holy Spirit allowed each one of these stories to be put in the Bible specifically to show us who Jesus is and to give us an example to follow. Amen? 1 Peter 2, 21-22 says, For this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow His steps who committed no sin nor was deceit found in his mouth. What an example to follow. What an example to try to be like. No, we can't be exactly like Jesus, but we can try and strive and want to be just like Jesus. So as we look at and understand the miracles that Jesus performs, and as we dig into the story, we can find out how we as Christians can make this application for our lives and grow spiritually. The, in the morning, uh, this morning in the Bible classes, the, the miracles that they talked about was feeding the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. You know, each of those stories are a little bit different, but there are a lot of similarities to them also. You know, we, the biggest similarity is that we know that Jesus fed a multitude, a crowd. The 5,000 He fed with five loaves and two fish. And the 4,000 He fed with seven loaves and a small amount of fish. That's, I can't hardly grasp that and understand that, but that's something that actually happened, brothers and sisters. 
a great multitude of people. It was probably more than 5,000, probably more than 4,000. But he fed these people with just such a small amount of nothing. But I want to deal with another similarity this morning uh, from both of these stories. I want to deal with a little bit more of a human characteristic of Jesus. You know, when we think about Jesus, we, we would say, yes, He's the Savior of the world, and, and He's the Son of God, and we could go on and talk about Jesus and, and about Him, and I mean, the list could go on and on. If you would, turn with me to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. I'm not going to read the entire story, but I kind of want to get us in the context of both of them, of the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. Mark chapter 6, verse 30 through 34. Such a great... Jesus is just a... He's a great man. He does great things and He teaches us so much if we let Him. If we let Him teach us. The Bible says, Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told Him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And He said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. The apostles, they had just returned from uh, just a few verses back. Jesus sends them out on what a lot of people call the mini commission. He sends them out by two and he sends them out to preach repentance, preach that the kingdom is coming. The kingdom is at hand. They were healing. They were doing all these uh, miraculous things. And here they come back and they're telling Jesus what they've done. And Jesus says, they're probably tired. He says, yes, let's go to a place where you can rest, where you can get some rest. But the multitude saw where they were going. And it says they ran by foot. They ran by foot. And they beat them to the spot. And when Jesus saw them, He had compassion for them. He had compassion for them. And the verses 35 through 44, Jesus begins to teach uh, them and the disciples. uh, You know, the disciples, they, they tell Jesus that uh, in verse 37, he says, but he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat because what the disciples did in verse 36 is they wanted to send them away. They were tired. Think about it. 
They had just been doing all these things. They were tired. They wanted to send them away. Go and let them go into the city and eat. And Jesus says, no, you give them something to eat. And they said, uh, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? And you see what happens. We know what happens. He takes the bread and he distributes and everybody eats. Turn with me over to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way, for some of them have come afar. So again, we see there is a large multitude of people around Jesus. And this time he's in Decapolis. And what he's doing is he's healing people. People are being healed and they're coming back and forth and they're telling people to come see him. And and really there's a prophecy that gets fulfilled down uh, in verse 37 in Isaiah 35 where he says, uh, the, the people say, he makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. And the same thing happens, I'm not going to go into much detail about that, but we see that again, Jesus asked the disciples, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. And he takes it, he takes the small amount of fish, he blesses it, and they're fed. What I want to talk about this morning from both of these stories is something that Jesus, when I studied this and started thinking about it, it it really made me think about myself. And it really made me think about my character and the way that I am as a Christian. You know, the big similarity is He fed the multitudes But why did he feed the multitudes? Because he had compassion for them. This morning I want to talk about compassion. Do we as Christians have the compassion of Christ? And I want to look at some examples of this compassion that Christ has. You know, the disciples... They made excuses. They weren't understanding it. They, they, were, they were missing the point. And Jesus is teaching them, and He's teaching us also, that we need to have compassion for people. You know, uh, flip back to Mark chapter 6, and just think about... Think about their attitudes. You know, I talked about it just briefly, but you think about what they said. They said, uh, send them away in verse 36, that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. 
But Jesus understood that these people were like sheep without a shepherd. Think about the people around us. Think about people that we know that aren't Christians. Think about people that we know that have not obeyed the gospel. How do we look at them? What do we think about when we see them? Are we too busy, wrapped up in our own selves that we can't see what's going on in their life maybe or see the problems that they're struggling with? I mean, right before this happens, John the Baptist is beheaded. Jesus is upset about that, I'm sure. But he still, despite anything, was looking for an opportunity to show himself. And really, when we look at ourselves, do we have compassion to not show ourselves, but to show Jesus? Compassion. This word, it's an interesting uh, definition. To be moved as to one's bowels. The bowels are inward parts. You know, the Jews and the Greeks both thought that that was where the, the, the pity and the love came from, from the inside of you. You ever had deep compassion for somebody that you loved? That deep compassion, you know, that gets down to your bones. Man, I love them. I want to help them in anything I can do. It became painful to Jesus. It bothered him in his body because of the sadness he felt for the multitude. He was concerned about them. This is a character of Jesus, God. He was concerned about these people that had come and surrounded them. And he's teaching these disciples, I know you're busy. I know you've been doing my will. I know you've been doing things that I've asked you to do. But still, do you have this compassion for this multitude? They're sheep without a shepherd. In Mark 8, verse 4, the disciples answered, How can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? They were missing the point. And you know, in Mark 8, the thing about it was they had just seen the 5,000 get fed. The 5,000 just a little bit, ago, little bit before this had just been fed and here they are missing the understanding of this compassion that Jesus has. Question, do we have a genuine love for all people? Not, the, not just the ones that we like or the ones that are easy to love. Think about it. But a general, genuine love or concern for all people. To the point that you would be willing to make certain sacrifices for them. Especially when it would come to spiritual or eternal things. You see, just like the disciples, and I'm, I fall right in line with this, 
fall short of the compassion of Jesus. Become, because sometimes I'm either concerned uh, more about myself or I'm too busy. Think about the story of the Good Samaritan. You know, the, the priest, here's a man hurt on the side of the road, and a priest goes by and he just walks by. Here's a Levite. He sees him and he walks by. But a Samaritan... Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. But here's a Samaritan who looks over and the Bible says has compassion for him and goes over and helps him. You know the story. He fixes him up. He takes him where he needs to be. He makes sure that his needs are taken care of. And we see this example of that in the feeding of the 5,000. You see the disciples, they had just come back from doing this uh, big work. They were doing God's will, what He commanded them to do. But they were wanting the people to go away. They needed some rest. And I'm not saying that when we're tired to not rest... I want to encourage us with two things today. Two things that will help us to uh, learn to have better... You may have great compassion. And that's awesome. That's awesome. You keep showing compassion for people. You start showing... uh, Keep showing that emotion for people of helping people and leading them to uh, what you need, uh, what they need to see and what they need to know about God. But if you're like me, sometimes I struggle in compassion. I want to get upset about somebody. I want to get upset that somebody's done something to me. Has somebody ever done something to you that makes you mad? Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. When we learn to have the compassion of Christ, it will make us more spiritual. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 and 38. I want to show a little bit of how Jesus' compassion is. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His harvest. Do we, brothers and sisters, when we go out into the world, do we feel compassion for them? 
does it even cross our mind? So many times I walk out of here and I'm so busy doing things I totally forget. Here's Jesus healing people and people are coming to Him. And He has compassion on them. He was on a mission, brothers and sisters. We talk about it all the time. We want to get to heaven and take people with us. But do we truly and really have that compassion in our heart and have that zeal to say, you know what? I'm going to tell somebody the gospel. Jesus had compassion for these people coming to Him. And He's the one who could heal them. If we truly have compassion for someone, let's say we just have compassion for one of our kids that are sick or somebody we know, what do we do? What do you do when you have compassion for someone? You go and help them, right? You go and help them in whatever they need. Jesus tells his disciples in verse 37 and 38, he says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Are we praying? Here's how you get more spiritual. Are you praying to the Lord that he would send laborers into the harvest? Are we praying, Lord... uh, Let your gospel be spread in the whole wide world. Let your gospel be known to all people. Are we praying specifically about people we know that we do have compassion for? Lord, I pray for such and such because they don't know the gospel. And I pray that somehow, some way, somebody or me personally can show them the gospel. And how much Jesus loves them. Because I love them so much. Are we going into the harvest and being a true faithful laborer ourselves? When we learn to have Jesus' compassion... We become more spiritual because what do we do? We begin to think of others more than ourselves. Man, that's good stuff. What does Jesus say? Uh, Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And what's the next thing He says? Love others. I want to go to heaven because I want to have a great relationship with God. But I also want to take as many people with me as I can. Number two. When we have the compassion of Christ, it makes us focus on eternity. Not only for us but for others. Turn with me to Luke 19. Luke 19. This is a great story. Great story about Jesus. Luke 
Jesus is being led into the city on a cult and, and people are worshiping him. You know this, they're coming in and, and they're laying these palm branches down and they're saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and, and, and glory in the highest. The Pharisees, you know, they tell him, uh, Rebuke your disciples. And Jesus says, If they stop, the rocks will cry out. <laughs> You're not stopping this. Let's read it. Luke 19, 41 through 44. Now as he, as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. The Greek word here, uh, for wept. It's not like many of the other times when Jesus wept. You know, like in John eleven thirty five, where it says uh, Jesus wept, where he cried to himself. He cried silently, not taking any emphasis off the emotion that Jesus had. But this word means to listen to the definition of this. To sob or to wail out loud. Weep. Have you ever heard somebody wail out loud? Because they were so overcome with emotion? This is Jesus. The emotion that He had. The feelings that He had towards other people. He's looking into the city. He's seeing the people that He's come, that He loves, that He was trying to uh, be the Savior to. You know, literally what He's talking about here is the destruction of Jerusalem that's coming in A.D. 70. It's coming. And He's telling them at the end of uh, verse 44, He says, because you did not know the time of... Your visitation. I'm here. I'm showing you. I'm doing these things and still you don't believe me. You still don't believe me. He is overcome with emotion about it. Think about our lives. How important is people going to heaven? We know... Brothers and sisters in Christ, we know that if somebody does not obey the gospel, Jesus says, I don't know who you are. Doesn't that bring an amount of urgency among us? Here's how you can have the urgency. Have compassion. Have compassion 
Think about people that you know. Think about uh, uh, situations in your life that, that uh, you could do that would better somebody else around you. Think about their soul. I know we got to work. I know we got to take care of our kids. I know we got to do those things. But you know what? Jesus was on a mission. And He gave that mission to us too. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, brothers and sisters. And we can do it. This is not a feat that's impossible. But it comes with our mind and our focus to understand that people are that important. Especially the ones that, uh, like we talked about downstairs in Danny's class, that are our enemies. People that we don't like. People that we don't really want to be around. Are we praying for them? Are we talking uh, to God about them, about their life, about a way that, that, that you could be involved in helping them see the truth and come to that understanding of the mystery, which is Jesus. You know, I think about Jesus and what he thought uh, as he's looking over the city and he realizes, you know, uh, here in just a few chapters on, he's fixing to be crucified. And some of the same ones that were laying down those palm branches are going to be the same ones that say, crucify him. Crucify that man. And Jesus on the cross says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. This man loved us and had compassion for people. The ordinary person, that regular guy, the rich guy, all mankind. And when we have that mind frame and we have our mindset on, you know what? It doesn't matter who I come in contact with. I will shine my light in such a way and be a light on a hill that people can see Jesus. And I can be compassionate to them. I close with this. Turn with me to Colossians 3. I want to give you all a challenge. I'm challenging myself to do this. And I challenge you to do it too. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. This week, as you go about your business and you go about doing your daily routine, I challenge you to look at these qualities and do them. Therefore, Colossians 3, 12 through 15. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, Kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also you were called in one body and be thankful. 
Study these. Pray on these things about your life. Look at the things that you're weak in. Because when you do this, this teaches compassion for somebody. And what it does is it, it, it points people to the most compassionate man ever. You know who he is, right? The one who knew it all and still went to the cross for us. You know who I'm talking about, that man named Jesus, huh? Brothers and sisters, when we have the compassion of Christ, we help our spirituality. And not only do we help our spirituality, but we help fix it, help us to fix our minds on thinking about heaven and as many people as we want to take with us. And we have the ability. We have that treasure in us. We have the gospel. We have the way to be saved. But maybe you're here today and, and the peace of God is not ruling in your heart. You know, the last verse right there, it says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And that's how you've been called. 2 Thessalonians 2.14 tells us that you are called by the gospel. And that's how you're saved. And the way that you're saved is you must hear the Word. You must hear it. It comes from the Bible. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And you must believe what it says. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us uh, that Jesus died and that He was buried and that He was raised again and it was all according to the Scriptures. And Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus, the one who died and was buried and rose again. And if you believe that, then it also says you need to repent and turn from your old ways. Jesus said, Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. A repentant, a repentant heart, wanting to turn from your old ways of living and, and, and want to seek a new way. Looking at Him as the example, like I said in, in 1 Peter. And you know, if you, you're willing to repent, you're, you're willing to confess in front of men and say, you know what, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that. And I'll tell anybody that asks me, And you must be baptized. Ananias told Paul, who was praying when he came upon him, he said that God has a plan for your life. He needs you to do something for him. So what are you waiting on? He said, arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. And that's how you call on the name of the Lord. When you obey the gospel, you call on the name of the Lord. 
and you receive the Holy Spirit, which is a pledge that when Jesus Christ comes back, you get to go to heaven and be with Him. But that's just the beginning because you know what? Now you can study the Bible, show yourself approved, and you can be an example and be faithful unto death is what Jesus said, and He'll give you the crown of life. So if you need to obey the gospel or you need to uh, have the prayers of the saints to be encouraged, something's not right in your life and you want to get it right, you have the opportunity to do it right now as together we stand on sin.